Years ago, my wife and I stopped watching broadcast television. I, I hate commercials. I hate a lot of what's on TV. Um, we found that we would just sit and watch and watch and watch. It would just be noise in our house. And so we actually moved the TV out of the main room. Um, we, we've never, ever broken ourselves of having the TV in our, in our world. We still watch TV. But it's not the main part of our life like it used to be. I mean, years ago, it used to be just on all the time. Now we watch when we choose to watch. And we either watch DVDs or we watch Prime Video or we watch Netflix. And one of the things that, that I have started watching recently is a show that I had heard about before, but I had never, ever really watched it, I don't think. And um, I've just I, – I love murder mysteries. I love trying to figure out what happened uh, and watching the, 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 the mind work of the investigator trying to figure out what was going on. And also I love when it's well written how an audience is given clues that they have to watch for. It's not overt, but it's there. And you can start sorting out for yourself the mystery. Well, there's a show that I've started watching just recently. It's called The Closer. You may have heard of it. Um, it's about a woman. Her name is Deputy Chief Brenda Lee Johnson. She's from, uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. And she gets called to become uh, an investigator in a special squad in Los Angeles Police Department. And she's a fish out of water and nobody likes her. And she's... Uh, she's, she struggles with competition and problems and she's blah, 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 blah. But the end result is that she's really good at what she does. And she's slowly starting, as I've been watching, because I've only watched a few episodes so far, but she's slowly winning over her team. And um, there was an episode that I was watching uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, because uh, my wife had turned to me and she said, so what are you preaching? And I said, you know, I, I still don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, and I was watching this episode, and in the middle of the episode, well, not in the middle, in the early parts of the episode, there was a, uh, uh, a judge who had been murdered. He had been out playing poker with some friends. He was driving home. Um, he gets, we, we're not seeing, we don't see any of this, but this is the story. He ends up getting accosted. He ends up getting shot and killed. The person who killed him takes his, his car, goes to the airport, and flies off somewhere. Uh, and um, when the police are doing their investigation, a phone call is made from, from the judge's ex-wife wanting to know, is her autistic teenage son okay? And they're now aware that there's an autistic teenage son. And they're like, he was with his father at a poker game? And she said, of course, he was always, his father took him everywhere. And the mother lived in Arizona. The father lived in L.A., and now they're concerned that this child, this teenager, has been either abducted or has been murdered. Well, they find as they find the judge's car at the airport, and they open up the trunk, and in the trunk is this young boy. He's 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 alive, but he's very distressed. And um, so Brenda Johnson is holding him in her office because he's a material witness, and the mother's trying to get. The boy, so she can take him back to Phoenix with her, and Chief Johnson's trying to take care of him. There's a self-struggle, but she spends hours with this boy. And one of the things that happens is at a certain point in the day, the boy starts going, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. Where's my father? Where's my father? I'm supposed to go to piano practice. And what Chief Johnson has been told is that this young boy's life is very regimented. Everything in his life has to be taken into account. He can't, the furniture can't be moved. The, I mean, he, everything about his life is regimented because that's how he survives. Well, it's time for him to go to his piano practice 
and his father's not here to take him, and he's very distressed. And so Chief Johnson is trying to explain to this young boy that his father has died. Now, he's already been told that by his mother, but he didn't get it. And so she's trying to help him to understand. And so she's explaining to him, now you, your mama did tell you that your daddy was, 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 that he died, right? Yes. And the boy says, my dad, the man shot my dad and my dad died. But where's my dad? Where's my dad? And she said, but, but your dad is dead. Your dad is dead. You understand that? Yes, my dad is dead. Where's dead? And as he said that word, those words, it gripped my heart. I literally stopped in my tracks at that moment. Where is dead? And I thought, if I were in that person's shoes, if I were in that detective's shoes, and I had this autistic young man sitting in front of me, and I was trying to help him to understand, what would I say? How could I explain death in a way that he could grasp? Because, I mean, this is a television show. They weren't getting theological. They were just talking about daddy's not here anymore. But if I, as a pastor, was trying to be genuine and authentic with someone who was struggling to understand, what would I say? I mean, the Bible, in 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, we are told always to be prepared to give an answer for everyone, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have and do this with gentleness and respect. Everyone. When somebody asks you a spiritual, a theological question, we should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us and do it with gentleness and respect. In other words, do it in a way that they can receive. So if you were in that situation and a young autistic man, age 16, 17, asked you, where is dead? What would you say? How could you possibly help him to understand. I have spent literally probably 10, 12 hours from yesterday afternoon until this morning reading and studying and chewing on. I'm not saying that so you can say, oh, well, Pastor did put his due diligence in any study. That's not why I'm telling you that. I'm telling you I've spent hours of even though it was just yesterday afternoon when this was presented to me, I had spent hours mulling on this, reading, studying, thinking, trying to come up with a, 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 a plausible answer that would be reasonable, something that somebody could accept, something that explains what I really, truly believe. Because see, my answer that's it's easy is, oh, the hope that lies with me is Jesus died on the cross and, and I, have, I have salvation and I'm going to go to be with God when I die. But where is death? Where's Jesus right now? If Jesus died, where's Jesus? When you die, where do you go? Wow. See, the first question that I wrestled with, what is death? 
I mean, what is it, really? Um, if you go back to the very beginning of the scriptures that we have, death is a direct result of willful sin. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God very clearly said, you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That's a direct quote. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one human being, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. So death, according to the Bible, is a direct result of sin. But what is death? Well, I, I would submit, as I've reflected on this, that there's two thoughts or two things about death. Number one, death is spiritual. It is a separation of the human being, the human soul, from God. Look at what happened in Adam and Eve's case. They had a home in the Garden of Eden. They were told you can do anything you want here. Control it uh, and, 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 and govern it and, and be, be caretakers of this garden that I provided for you. Name the animals and, and do all that I'm asking you. Just be caregivers. And you can eat anything that's in here except do not eat from that one tree. Because when you do, you're out of here. And that's exactly what happened. They lost access to God because every single day prior to that, in the cool of the afternoon, God would come, or cool of the evening, God would come and walk through and spend time with them. And then when they sinned, willfully sinned, they got kicked out and they lost access to God. But it's not just spiritual. Death is also physical. There is now a, a decaying. All human bodies decay and die. Genesis chapter 3 verse 13. The end of the curse that God is pronouncing over all of creation and the man and the woman. God literally says to Adam, for dust you are and to dust you will return. So there's this physical understanding that I'm dying, that, that all humanity is dying. And you can look at us. Every time you look in the mirror, every single day, more gray hair, more wrinkles. Every time you try to move out of your chair, more aches and more pains, more trips to the doctor, more medication. Why? Because somebody chose to sin at the very beginning and brought upon all of us a curse. But every single one of us have sinned. And every single one of us continue to live under that curse that is known as death. But that doesn't fully explain what death is. We, we, we know why death and we know what it 
what it looks like. It is a separation from God and it is a physical decaying until there's this disintegration, if you will. But is death the end of our existence? And I would submit to you that the answer is no. Yes, our physical body ends, but that doesn't mean that we cease to exist. Now, there, there is a myriad of ideas and, and, and thoughts about death. I, I found a, an incredible article in one of the, one of the, the, the journals that I have. Um, uh, not, not a personal journal, but it was, a, it was a, 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 a theological journal that I had. And in the ancient Near East, death was not seen as cessation, but it was seen as a transition. If you go to ancient Egypt, you see where they, they actually believed that, that it was like just transitioning from one realm to another, and that people actually just continued in their normal day-to-day life. They just did it on the other side of death. And that they actually would, if you, if you look at the way that they buried their people, they buried them with their everyday stuff so that they would have access to it so that they could use it in their new home, if you will. But in Ecclesiastes, which is part of our scriptures, Solomon wrote, Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust. To dust they will all return. Who knows if this human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. And what he was saying there was, we don't know what happens. We know that something happens, but we don't know what happens. Jewish teachers, even through the, from the time of Solomon all the way through to the time of Jesus and even into our era, are still divided about their thoughts about death. I mean, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, it says that there will be a sleep in the dust of the earth. Everyone, all humans will be in the dust of the earth, but then they will awake. Some will awake to everlasting life and others will awake to everlasting shame and contempt. Kind of sounds like this idea of Judgment in heaven and hell, doesn't it? Well, that's Daniel. That's long before Christ. But even with that in their history, the the Jews of Jesus' time were divided. I mean, if you can look at Acts chapter 23, verse 8, it tells you there were two leading factions in the leadership of of Jerusalem and the Jewish, Jewish people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in angels and spirits, and they believed in resurrection, and the Sadducees did not believe in any of that. And so there's this, even in, even in the, the time of Jesus, there's this dichotomy of belief about what happens to us after we die. But then Jesus comes. And he, one would think that he would give definitive answers to those questions. And so the question for me is, if I'm looking at what is death, and what, what, does, uh, what, what does death end our existence... The next question is, what did Jesus teach about that? What was the, what is the Christian teaching about death? Well, number one, when Jesus was asked about death, he gave an example through through a story about a man named Lazarus who was a beggar at the home of a rich man. And and we don't have the time this morning to look through that whole thing. You can look at it yourself. It's in Luke chapter 16. But if you look at that, the story that Jesus tells is, is that after both Lazarus and the rich man died, 
and they died on the same day. It says that Lazarus was carried to, quote unquote, the bosom of Abraham and the, the rich man was placed in a place of torment. When the rich man cried out to Abraham in Jesus's story, he said, please send Lazarus over here just to dip his finger in some cool water and put it on my tongue. I'm in torment here. And Abraham's response is, even if we could wanted to, we can't because there's this great chasm that separates us from you. And then the rich man said, well, at least let send Lazarus back to tell my brothers who are still on the earth. And Abraham says, they have the prophets. They have the scriptures. The same that you did. If they don't pay attention to the scriptures that God has provided... They are not even going to believe even if somebody returned from the dead. Those are the words of Jesus. Then if you look at Luke chapter 23, Jesus is on the cross. And there's two criminals being crucified on either side of him. And the two criminals start calling out things. And the one guy cries out to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to that man on the cross, and he says to him, today, you, he, well, he says, truly, I tell you, which in the Bible, in the old King James, it would have said, verily, verily, I tell you, which is one of these things, listen to what I'm saying, this is the truth. Jesus says, listen to what I'm saying, this is the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. What does that look like? I don't know. We're not given that information. One thing we do know is that something happens after we die. That there is a doorway that we walk through into something. What is it? We're not given that information. It is the most aggravating and frustrating thing for me because I want it. I want a definitive answer. I'm not given it. What I'm given is that we do, we do continue to exist after our physical death. That somewhere, someplace known as paradise, we will be with Jesus. We will be in the presence of God. It seems to be that it's instantaneous from what Jesus said right there. Today, when we die, you will be with me in paradise. But then if you look at another teaching of Jesus, and it's been on the screen all morning long. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. This is the story of Jesus and Mary and Martha at Lazarus' tomb. Lazarus, the dear friend of Jesus, has died. Jesus actually waited a few days after learning of Lazarus' illness. And then he finally went. And Martha comes up to Jesus. She says, "My, if you had come in here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he dies, uh, will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And I don't understand unless I separate the physical death from the spiritual death. How this could be true. So you see where I'm going? Jesus did never ever say, you won't physically die. 
But he said, if you believe in me, you will live. You will never die. And what I understand him to say here is, when the time comes for your physical death, your spirit, your soul will continue on and you will never die if you believe in me. Go back to the story, to the scripture that we read about in Daniel, where Daniel's prophecy said there's going to come a time where everyone who's in the dust, everyone who's died, whose body has decayed, will awake. Some will awake to everlasting joy or glory and some will await to everlasting shame and contempt. Jesus himself talked about heaven and hell. This idea of, 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 of reward and, and punishment or whatever the case may be. Look at Matthew chapter 25 for that. The story of the sheep and the goats. Paul also addresses this idea of death. His words in Philippians are For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, when I die, I'm going to get something more than I have now. I'm going to have better than I have now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, If only for this life we hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. Again, there's there's an underlying understanding that there is something beyond that doorway that we call death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is talking about the the whole concept of resurrection. This idea that after we die, we will be brought back to life again. We are not given all of the details. There's no way we can get everything that we need to definitively answer it. But what we can get so far from what we've looked at and from what what you can deduce from, from, from reading even further is that every single one of us is under the curse because of Adam's and Eve's volitional sin. And as a result of our own volitional sin, every single one of us faces a physical death. At that time of death, our body ceases to function, but our spirit, our soul, does not cease to function. It continues on. It's as if it walks through a door into a new Existence, a new plane, a new place. We don't have a full, clear understanding of that new place. But what we do understand from teachings of Jesus, from the teachings in, in Daniel, from other teachings, is that there is a separation of souls. And if you look at Paul's teaching, he says Everyone is judged based on what they did during their physical life. There is no fixing it after the physical death. So what we do now will determine which way we end in our spiritual continuation. That's what I got so far in all of this. Are, are you tracking with me? Am I, am I good? I, I was listening to... A sermon on YouTube. And the guy made this horrible, horrible illustration, but it's very effective and I want to share it with you. He said, imagine that you're standing in the doorway of a plane at 15,000 feet. And you don't have a parachute. And you jump out. 
In that instant, you are dead. You're still breathing. You're still able to enjoy the exhilaration of the free fall. You're still moving around. You still have choices. But you're dead. It may be five seconds from now, 15 seconds from now, a minute from now. But you're dead. No questions. But in that second, right after you get out of the plane, you're not thinking about the fact that you're dead. You're enjoying where you're at. And he said, that's where each and every one of us are. The moment you came out of the womb, you stepped out of the plane without a parachute. And sure, you're having a great ride. But you're going to come to a certain point where you are going to hit the ground. And you will die. Unless... God miraculously decides to come back before you hit the ground. Because that is the only thing that's going to keep you from splatting. It's the only thing. See, our doctrines about death tell us that someday Jesus is going to return. And if he does before our physical death occurs, then we won't die. We will just be changed. It says that in the scriptures. Our doctrines tell us that if Jesus doesn't return before we physically die, then our bodies will indeed cease to function. And we will decay and die and our bodies will disintegrate. Our doctrines about death tell us that we will be with our Heavenly Father when we die. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin and we have walked into a vital faith relationship saying, God, I receive the gift that you give me of your grace. Ephesians says, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not of anything that we can do on our own. Our doctrines about death Tell us that every single human being will die. Now you can get into the story about Enoch. You can get into the story about Elijah. I don't get into all that stuff. I think they died still. But now that we've looked at all of this stuff, I want to come back to the initial question. Where is dead? What would I say to that autistic young man who asked me that question? I would tell him that when a person dies, it's like walking through a door into another place. I would tell him it's a place that we can't enter into with our physical bodies. I would tell him that it is a real place, but we can't Touch it or see it while we're in our physical bodies. And I would tell him that just because we can't see the person that died who has walked through that door into that new place, 
that doesn't mean that that person doesn't exist anymore. They do still exist. It's just that their soul is no longer contained in their physical body. And now their soul has entered into the presence of God. If he asked me where that was, I would truthfully just have to say to him that that part of the question is unanswerable while we're on this side of the door. Because see, where that place is and what that place is like, God has chosen that it would remain a mystery to us. We won't be able to know the answer to that question until we walk through the door ourselves. But we can know with confidence that there is some place for us to go. We just don't cease to exist. And we have the glorious hope. And that goes right back to what Peter said at the very beginning. We have a glorious hope that Jesus, the Son of God, has made it possible for us to enjoy all of eternity with God through his sacrificial death on the cross and the resurrection from the dead. And because of Jesus, we no longer have to be spiritually dead. Yes, our bodies will die eventually, but we no longer have to fear being separated from God. That part of death is no longer ours to fear. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 to 58, and I'm done. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the immortal, excuse me, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen.